Okay, I'm pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, well, the last two weeks, I've been talking about Future Sight. And so today, I will continue, because there's a lot to talk about. One of the themes here is that Future Sight has a lot packed into it. Okay, so last week, I had a special guest star, Matt Cavada, and he and I went through most of the new mechanics. Uh, and I, for those that may or not remember, or who didn't listen, uh, I put all of them, I was talking about them, and then I had three different baskets I could put them in. So basket number one was, I believe we'll do it again. We have to find the right place for it, but I believe we'll do it. Um, note that that could take a time, you know, that could take a while. Sometimes finding the right spot for something can, can take a long time. So just because it's in bucket one doesn't mean you're going to see it soon, but it, I believe that we can do it. It's just a matter of time till we find the place for it. Bucket number two means that I, there's something about the mechanic I like, but it has some problem that has to get solved. Um, it might be a design problem, might be a developmental problem, but it has some problem that, like, until that problem is solved, it's probably not going to see the light of day. But that problem could get solved, and in the past we've solved problems. And so two means it could, it could come out, but it's a little, the chance of it happening is less. Bucket three is, I highly doubt it's coming out. It's, it's doing something that I just don't think we want to do. And so there's not a lot in bucket three. Uh, there's more in bucket two than three in that a lot of the stuff I think we won't do is like, well, maybe we'll solve the problem. But three is where I just I have no faith we're going to solve the problem. I, I think it's just something that we're not going to do. There's not a lot of threes. Okay. So, when last we left, uh, next in line, Delve. Okay, so Delve is clearly bucket one. Not, not only is Delve bucket one, I have tried to stick it in multiple sets so far. Um, it, for example, it was in Innistrad for a while. Um, and in fact, the, where I came up with it was... Um, I knew when we did Future Sight that we were going to go... I knew we were going to do Horror World, and I knew it was going to have a strong graveyard component. That was already a known factor. I mean, uh, Odyssey was the thing that spawned the idea for doing the horror set, which was I made a graveyard set that didn't have a theme that matched, and Brady and I discussed, oh, it would be awesome to have a graveyard set that had a horror theme. I loved the idea. I sort of scheduled it out. So I knew at the time we did Future Sight we were going to do that. So I knew we needed graveyard mechanics. So Delve was me coming up with the graveyard mechanic. Now, interestingly, having now tried it in a graveyard set, I've now come to realize that Delve doesn't work in a graveyard set. The reason being, in a graveyard set, you want to have things matter in the graveyard and things that have relevance in the graveyard. You know, stuff like Flashback, for example. Um, But Delve just eats your whole graveyard. So when Delve is in play, there is no graveyard. And so it doesn't work well in a set in which you want nuance in the graveyard because chomp, 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 it just eats it all. So, Um, But for Delve fans... uh, I like Delve. I, I want to find a home for Delve. It's a tricky mechanic in the sense that it doesn't fit in a graveyard set, but it does require some support, you know, because you want to get, be able to get cards in your graveyard, although natural gameplay gets them in to a certain extent. Uh, so anyway, I'm on the lookout when I find the right place. I mean, I, Delve is clearly something I, I've been looking to, to put in somewhere, and it'll happen one day. Um, so uh, bu- bucket one. Okay. Next, we got Poisonous. Okay, so once again... I knew when we did Future Sight that I wanted, that I was planning to do Poison. And so I made the best guess at how we would keyword Poison. Uh, and Poison just really was me just sort of saying, well, here's how we've done Poison in the past. Let me, let me just keyword it. So, you know, the set where we do Poison, we'd have a keyworded thing. Uh, and for a while, when I started Scars of Mirrodin, Poisonous was in Scars of Mirrodin. Like, I'm not sure when I did Future Sight if I knew... 
I think we knew we were going back to Mirrodin and that the Frex needs to take over Mirrodin because uh, Sucker Might Mirror showed that. Uh, we knew that. Um, but I don't know if I yet had figured out that I wanted the Frexians to be tied to poison. I, I might have known that, although maybe I would have hinted at that more if I knew that. I, I'm not sure what I knew at that point. I did know that I wanted to do poison. I did know that the Frexians were coming back. I don't know if I had figured that out yet. Um, and Poisonous was an honest attempt to try to figure it out. Now, what happened during Scars and Mirrodin design was Poisonous turned to be not interactive enough. There wasn't much you could do. I mean, you could make them unblockable, uh, but there wasn't a dynamic interaction. And the thing I liked about Infect, which is what got us to Infect, was that Infect, it cared about things that affected power. So stuff like giant growth and things, it had a little more dynamism to it. It also made it a little scarier because when you have a Poisonous 2 creature, well, you know, if you aren't going to die to 2 Poison, hey, all it's going to do is do you two poison. There's never any suspense. Like, should I block it? Shouldn't I block it? But with Infect, it had this nice quality that I like to it where, let's say I, I, I've only taken four poison, so I, I can take six. Well, a creature that normally deals two poison, you know, a two-powered creature, I might want to be nervous about that. You might have a trick up your sleeve. You might do something. And I have to think about blocking, you know, way before I know it would kill me. Because a lot of the problem with the poison before was it just was a known quantity. Anyway, I'll save this for the Scarves and Mirrodin podcast. Um, poisonous... I'm not sure whether to call it a two or a three. Um, I think I would... uh, I think it's probably a three in the sense that I think we figured out a better way to do poison. I think, in fact, it's just strictly better than poisonous. That the the gameplay of poisonous was just nowhere near as good as the gameplay of, in fact. And so I feel like if I did poison again, I'm much more likely just to go to infect than go to poisonous. So I don't... I don't right now foresee us doing poisonous as poisonous. Um, that's not to say we wouldn't do poison in a different way, other than infect. That's possible. But I feel like if I'm going to do poisonous, infect just better than I would do infect. So I think poisonous is bucket three. Um, aura swap. Aura swap is a mechanic where it's, it goes in auras, and then you can swap it. You pay a mana cost, and or you pay a mana. And then you could swap it with an aura in your hand. So the idea is a creature that has aura could turn into anything. Um... I've, uh, I don't know, I mean, bucket two, I guess, in the sense that, um, I'm not in love with it, uh, it requires you playing a lot of auras, so I need an environment where, like, just, you're going to play a lot of auras in your deck, and that's tricky to make happen, uh, so, I, I wouldn't say three, there's nothing about it that we couldn't do, but it's just, it's the kind of thing, like, I just, I just need the absolute positive, like, Somehow I have aura world, and it's just already I have auras matter in a way that's interesting, and and then I go, oh, maybe do aura swap. I mean, it's, but it really, really needs like the absolute like perfect world to work because it's a tricky mechanic to really make feel native in the, in, in a set. So I say bucket two, uh, and finally, oh no, two more. Uh, we have type casting or, or type cycling. So in the set there is uh, wizard cycling and sliver cycling. Uh, that was us riffing off of basic land cycling. That uh, so what happened was um, Brian Tinsman in Scourge had come up with a mechanic where you could trade cards for basic lands of, of a particular type. You know, a red card to become a mountain. The idea is, oh well, if you don't really need this red card, it's maybe expensive. You can trade it for a mountain if you really need it. And already in the block we had cycling, and it dawned on me that it was very similar to cycling. Like, you were paying some mana, discarding a card in your hand, and instead of drawing a card, you are going through your library, but I felt it was close. Um, and so I convinced him to turn it into a cycling variant, and so we made, you know, mountain cycling, forest cycling, etc. Then in um, 
the middle set of Alara. Um, I'm blanking on the name. Uh, the middle set. Uh, see, the, the, when you drive, this is one of my problems. See, here's what you guys learn about me when you get me in my podcast rather than writing. Like, if I'm writing this, I just look it up and then, hey, I, I know. But, but the reality, you're learning the truth here, is I'm horrible. I am horrible with names. Um, and the worst part about this is I know it's a, like a six-letter word starting with C. That, that's how my brain works. Um, uh, conflux. Conflux. Um, so in Conflux, uh, Bill came up with the idea of sort of taking that and adapting to basic land cycling, where you could get any basic land rather than just getting um, a particular one. So the idea was, I, I talked about how future sites a lot of extrapolated design. So the idea was, um, well, if you could search for a land, maybe you could search for other things. Um, so we like search for wizards, search for slivers and such. The, the uh, I'm not sure whether this is bucket two or bucket three. The problem this has is a lot of the problem that Transfigure has, which is mechanics that tutor have a lot of repetitive gameplay issues, and that I, I like tutors. So the tutors I like are ones that we um, uh, there's decks that we we call um, uh, what do they call them? Toolbox toolbox decks, where the idea is the tutor you put lots of one ofs in your deck, and the tutor allows you to customize what you need when you need it. That is awesome. I love that. You know, I love the idea that, like, you know, it's, it's always different because I, it allows me to play cards that are too narrow, but it allows me to have access to them. So I'm playing cards in my deck I normally don't play. Um, and it makes a lot of variety because there's lots of different choices of what you do. Um, what I don't like is a tutor that just, like, every game I do the same thing. And it's just, it just takes the variety that, that makes magic so strong and just lessens it by making the gameplay happen the, the same game after game. And so uh, my worry a little bit is that, you know, type cycling... Uh, would be the latter rather than the former. If there's a way to make the former work, I, I'd be tempted. Um, I guess I feel like it's two. It just we would need to find the right place and the right thing you're looking for in a way where it just wouldn't be repetitive gameplay. Um, so I, I guess that's possible. Bucket two. Uh, next is Chroma, which is interesting, and in that it's the only new mechanic in Future Sight that we've done. Um, I think. Uh, I mean. They introduced uh, Lifelink, Death Touch, Shroud, and Reach, but that, that doesn't count. That was just us using Future Sight as a chance to, um, to show some new terms. I mean, we introduced them in the future, but uh, we, we knew we were doing them. Um, okay, so Chroma... Chroma is one of those mechanics that I felt never... Like, I think Chroma is a much, has much more potential than Eventide showed it off to be. Um, I... I mean, once again, I guess this doesn't really have a bucket. I mean, it's, it's one because it was, it was in the set. Um, I, I, I like Chroma. I feel like Chroma didn't... I ended up putting it in a place that felt natural because, you know, there was a lot of expansion symbols and a hybrid set. Um, but in some ways, it didn't, it didn't quite live up to the potential. I, like, if you ask me, for example, of... You know, I mean, maybe it's the podcast. You know, top five mechanics that, like, never lived up to their potential. Where, like, I thought they were really neat mechanic and they did really cool things. And, like... Ah, the first time out, we just didn't really capture the essence of them quite as well. Chroma is in that camp. Chroma is Chroma's mechanic that deserves to come back because I think it's a very neat mechanic. It does very cool things. It makes you think about cards in just a very different way. Like, I love the idea that with Chroma in your deck, like, you know, GG is different than 1G. You know, GG is better for you than 1G. And, like, that's really interesting, the idea that you care about how much colored man you have. I, I love mechanics that do that, that just take up aspects of the game you never think about and say, oh, now you do have to care about this. And it just makes you think about things very differently. So I, I like Chroma. I, I'm, I'm glad to introduce it to Future Sight. And I, 
it, it'll be back. I mean, I, I have to find the right place for it. And, and my, my copy of all of these. But I, I do feel one day I will find the right place for it. And then I, I think it will shine. I hope it will shine. Okay. Um, so now, I've talked about all... I mean, there's lots of other mechanics that were in the set. Uh, real quickly. Uh, other mechanics that were in the set. Uh, other than keyword, you know, basic keyword mechanics. You know, evergreen mechanics. Flanking, buyback, shadow, echo, cycling, kicker, madness, morph, scry, bloodthirst, convoke, dredge, future, ca- future cast, oh, sorry, forecast, uh, graft, hellbent, transmute, suspense, split second, vanishing, and flash. We introduced flash in that block. Now flash is evergreen. Um, so anyway, there were a lot of keywords, 40 keywords in the block, so, in, sorry, in the set. Um, but wait, that was not all the set did. Showing you the future? Yep. Uh, 8,000 million keywords? Yep. But wait. There were also some cycles in the set, so I want to talk about the cycles. Um, now, one of the things that was interesting about this set, normally when you use cycles, cycles are used to show consistency, that it's a lot of cards in the set that work the same way. Um, so usually when you use a cycle, it shrinks the mind space of a set because five cards are working the same, and so it's easier to grok it. But one of the things that happened in Future Sight was I used cycles a lot of the time to show variety. So sometimes, instead of shrinking mind space, it grew mind space. Meaning, mind space is how much mental energy it takes to sort of absorb what you're you're watching. So, what, and in game, game design, one of the things about mind space is you have to be, you have to be wary of how much mind space you're borrowing from the new player, or, or from the, any actually from any player. Um, the more advanced the player, the more mind space they can handle because the more they've already embedded certain stuff, and that it's easier for them to pick up because they they they've already sort of learned it, if you will. Okay, so these are in no particular order. Uh, just the order that, that, that come to mind, I guess. Uh, okay, so one of the most high-profile... Well, I, I talked about a couple cycles in my first week, uh, the first podcast. So real quick, get those out of the way. The Pact Cycle, which are the ones in which you cast them now and pay in the future. I already talked about those. The Legends Air Cycle, which were the, 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 the legends with grandeur that all represented, um, you know, ancestors of, of characters that you already knew. Um... Uh, and there was a vertical morph cycle I talked about last week that was a common, uncommon, and a rare that were all permanent types that had never had morph before, a land and enchantment and an artifact. Okay. So those are the cycles I've already talked about. Now let's get to some of the cycles I haven't talked about. Um, so the dual land cycle. I was very proud of this. So normally, dual lands, you have a dual land that, that you cycle them, all five are the same. But I was trying to show the future. So we had a future-shifted cycle of lands in which each... So they're, they're allied, so five allied lands. But each one showed a different... Came from a different future cycle. Um, and so the idea was that we could hint on where we could go with dual lands. Now, as it turns out, uh, one of them... Uh, my name's right. Grove of the Burn Willows, is that right? The red-green one. Do I have a red-green one? One of them ended up in Shadowmoor, um, which was the one with the hybrid. Uh, you know, you could tap it and you could... Anyway, you could tap certain colors, get other colors based on hybrid. Um, and then uh, the other four we haven't done yet. Some of them we will do. Some of them we might not do. Uh, the one I, I really loved that uh, development cut was, I think the blue-black one was originally Poison Dual Land, where uh, you tap for black or tap for blue... But you got a poison every time you tap the land. Um, and I forget whether to tap for colors without poison. I think it didn't. I think you, no matter what, you got poison. Um, and I, I thought the thing was really cool, but 
uh, development gets very scared of poison as a cost, meaning taking poison as a cost, because in, in environments that don't have any poison, there's no threat of being poisoned, it's just this resource that, like, it's kind of free. So essentially, you know, the first dual land, just a dual land, and the second one, I mean, I'm not sure how many before it becomes a problem, but anyway, I'm fascinated by it. I like the card a lot. Uh, it's, it's scared development, so it changed. Uh, next, we have the uh, keyword land cycle, in which it was a land that I think came and played tapped, tapped for one of the five colors, a tap for C in R&D lingo, uh, but then each one had a keyword on it from the past. Um, and that was fun. I mean, you know, that, it was fun of neat figuring out, like, oh, what would green have? What would blue have? And, you know, blue had, I think blue was transfigured and green was graft. And anyway, I, I think it was kind of neat, you know, um, to explore kind of like, I mean, I did mix and match to talk about that week one. Uh, this was kind of mix and match with land in the sense of here's land and now we'll mix it with this keyword and that. It was fun finding five keywords that would go on a land. Then we had a repeating suspend cycle. Uh, and, and this one, this is one of the ones that worked the same. Um, the idea here was there was a, twi- a tweak on suspend. The idea was the spells would go off and they would resuspend themselves. So every third turn, uh, the spell would go off. And the reason I liked that in Future Sight was it was like, you know the spell now and you know the future. In three turns, this will happen again. And so it, you, it forced you to change your play because you had knowledge of the future. Um, another cycle was the Augur cycle, which were creatures, and all of them had a sack effect that you could only sack during your upkeep that had a decent size effect. And the idea was, I was trying to figure out the right time to use it, but my, 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 everyone knows that in the future this creature could turn into this thing. Now I can't use it at a moment's notice, so I have to sort of risk of, do I think I can make it to the next turn? And I thought that also matched the future well, and that it's sort of like, well, what do I think is going to happen in the future? Will this guy survive? Or, no, he'd die before I could sack him. I better sack him now. Um, and so the auger cycle was definitely sort of, you know, looking to the future and trying to figure out what, you know, what, what held. Um, there was a vanilla cycle, which was, we were trying to find a way to make some of the, the, the future shifted cards are so complex um, that we decided to try to find a way to just lower them a little. I mean, not that we lowered them that much, but so one of the ideas was, what if we did a vanilla cycle, we put it into the future frame, and then had the, had the, the frame be different. We had a, a full art, a full art um, uh, vanilla. Now, one of the things, by the way, people always ask me, they go, that was awesome. Can you do more full art vanillas? I, I agree. I like the idea. Um, I believe it's, it's, we will do full-out vanillas at some point. I mean, I, I, it seems too obviously and too good not for us to revisit. So, I mean, I, I do think it was uh, a cool idea that we can revisit. Um, it, once again, finding the right place and such. Um, but I, I kind of liked them. And I also was happy that we came up with some you know, future-shifted cards that were simple. Um, that was one of the biggest challenges. I mean, it's also true for the unsets as it is for uh, future sight. Uh, my, 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 my hard to make sets. Um, and the reason is, is that Part of what you want to do is, in your comments especially, is you want to make nice, simple things. But when the rule is, it's from the future, you've never done it before, or in Silver Border, it's like, it, it's something that can't be done in Black Border, you know. In, in those kind of environments, uh, you know, it's, making simple things is a lot harder. It's a lot harder. And so um, I was happy to have the vanilla cycle. Okay, we have the spell, the spell Shipper cycle. So the Spell Shipper cycle was all cards that tapped and sacked a card, you know, discarded a card, they're spell shippers, to make a token. But rather than make a normal token, each one made a token of an existing card. Um, 
And the idea was, you know, that... Um, and then for fun, for fun, four of them made existing cards, and one of them made a card you had never seen before that would later turn up in, uh, in the very next set in Sh- we put it in Shadowmoor. Um, so it was kind of fun. I mean, the, the cycle both sort of had a nostalgia aspect to it because four of the five were cards you knew. It was kind of fun to make, to make tokens of existing cards. And it was new technology, something we hadn't done before and really haven't done since. I mean, cards that make tokens of themselves, but it's very rare that cards make tokens of other cards. Um, especially cards that aren't in play. I mean, usually when they make tokens of other cards, it's like, I, I clone something. But here's like, no, 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 just makes the card. This card doesn't exist. I mean, exists in magic, but it doesn't exist on the board. Um, and so anyway, and, and, and like I said, that was a cross between us. Uh, a, was it was nostalgic, so it fit in the block. B, it showed a new way to do something, so it fit in the future aspect. And uh, it had one of the cards that actually showed something, hinted at a card that didn't even exist yet, so it had that future aspect. Um... Next was the sliver cycle. Um, so one of the ways we thought it might be fun was to take slivers and put on future abilities onto them because it's like we wanted to show new abilities, and so one of the things we came up with is, well, why not make a cycle of slivers that all have new abilities? Because in the future, you know, we think slivers will come back, and slivers are very popular, and, oh, look, here's different abilities that they would have in the future. Um, and... Uh, anyway, I, I, it was a clever way to do what I thought, and, and people like slivers, and slivers were a theme in the Time Spiral block, so it allowed us to do a, sort of a future set of slivers that I, I thought was kind of neat. I mean, you know, we had done slivers earlier in the block that, that, showed, that showed other aspects of, of, of time, if you will, and these were us doing slivers that were shown in the future. Um, okay, those, I think, were all the cycles. I, I might have forgot one. Um, so one of the things I want to point out here is, in the last three weeks... I've talked about the time-shifted sheet, in which every card was unique and different and weird. We had uh, mix-and-match, in which we took mechanics from throughout time and mixed them in weird ways. You know, we introduced new mechanics and had old mechanics, 48 mechanics in all. Um, you know, we had a lot of mechanics that messed around with knowing the future, the packs, and different things. You know, um, when people sort of say, you know, I love this set... I think what they're saying is, I, there has never been a set so dense that so much is going on. And as a designer, and this is why it's my art house film, I appreciated filling every nook and cranny. You know what I'm saying? I appreciated that every time-shifted card was a different future, and, you know, mix and match, we're finding all sorts of unique ways to take all these mechanics and mix them and match them, and, and that it kind of was a set of indulgence, if you will, and that I had a chance to... No, it kind of was my no-stop set. It's just like, I'm going to make a set, there is no limits. Uh, and that was fun. I, I, I really, really enjoyed making the set. I really, really enjoyed playing the set, you know. I, even now, like, b- before I did this podcast, I went back and I looked at the set. Just to, you know, refresh my memory. And, and, and like, it was so much fun to look at. There is so much going on. And I get, I get that if you can appreciate all the nuance, of course it's a fun set. It, you know, it is, it is packed to the gills. I mean, there's probably no other magic set other than maybe the unsets that have this much just packed into them, you know, that just literally is oozing from its pores. It is oozing, like, it's just, if you love magic, there is like bits and nooks and crannies of, of every little bit in that set is full of stuff. And, you know... If, if you get it, that is awesome. It is fun and it's great. And I take pride in the fact that I made 
in some level, the most dense set that Magic will probably ever have. I do. And, but, to, to the fans of, of Future Sight, please understand that... Imagine, for example, here's what I try to make you put in the minds of, of non-advanced players, is imagine going to a movie in which there's a sequel that just says, imagine it's number 10 in the series, and it goes, eh, we're not explaining anything. We're just going to assume you've seen the first nine movies. We're not going to bother explaining anything. You would be kind of lost, you know, because they would be making references left and right and all this stuff, and like, Normally what happens in the sequel is they spend some amount of time, there's a new character, somebody somewhere has to explain something, so they sort of catch you up to date with what's going on. And I feel like Future Sight was like this, like, yeah, 10th movie in the in this series where like, screw it, no explaining anything, you know. And they, the people who had really invested and really had, you know, watched the first nine movies, of course it was the most awesome thing ever, because it was just like, it didn't waste their time explaining anything. It just was like, let's get to it, you know. But... Hey, that you know, magic is for especially the, the, ex, the expert expansions. Magic is for everybody. Now, I will say this: one of the things I have learned from the, the Rosewater Rumble and watching features I do is, is I, I realize this, which is something I, I hadn't really hit before. Which is there is a, a group there is you know of the invested players that love sort of just pile it on, pile it on. I got it. I know it. I've been playing forever. You know and I, sh- I show no fear. Just g- give, give it to me in as, as much as you can. Um, and it's possible that in a niche product that we are making, in which the role of the product is, is to meet the needs of a smaller part of the audience, that maybe that would make sense. Maybe it's possible that's where we can do something like that. And, and ironically, I think we kind of have. Um, Modern Masters comes out this summer. And uh, as someone who, who's played Modern Masters Limited, uh, it is a lot like Future Sight in the sense that it is just chalk to the gills with Magic's Pass. Uh, seriously. And I feel like the people who are most appreciate the product are the ones who, who get the nuance of what's going on. Because it is complicated if you don't know what's going on. It's, there's a lot of mechanics from Magic's Pass that just are like, well, here they are. Um, and so I, I take away from sort of the, the ra- latest resurgence of, of love for Future Sight that, look, there is an audience that likes this. It's not for everybody. It's not something that's general. It's not meant for an expert expansion. You know, when I talk about Future Sight being a failure, I don't mean that it was a failure, like, in a vacuum it wasn't a failure. I think what it did was very good. I'm very proud of what it did. The players who like it love it. Um, and that audience loves it. The problem was that wasn't my aim. That wasn't my audience. I was supposed to go much broader, you know. And that, uh, just if I made an expert expansion in which it was great for, you know, for the beginning players, and the expert player goes, boring, there's nothing here to do. I cracked it in two drafts, and I don't want to do the third draft. Hey, that would be a problem. That's not okay either. You know, all the, the magic sets we make have to be accessible from, you know, the less experienced player to the more experienced player. And um, I talk a lot about lenticular design, where I try hard to sneak things in so that the beginner doesn't see it, but the extra player understands, and there's all this stuff for them to think about, you know. And I want to have every set to have the, 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 the scope of easy to graph to complicated. I just want the complicated stuff to be hidden so that the experienced player can see it, but the beginning player can't see it. That way, it's not intimidating for them. Future Sight was not that. It was not that at all. Future Sight was in your face. In your face. Here's 48 mechanics you do not know. And here's lots of wackiness going on. And, we're, and we're, all this nostalgia stuff that you probably don't even understand what we're referencing. And, you know, just overwhelming. 
Um, but the good news is, I, I now think I understand better the idea of, look, niche audience, we make niche products, maybe we can make a niche audience for this niche product. And by the way, I kind of think Modern Masters is, so I do believe that this audience is getting something. Um, but we could also do more stuff in the future. And I think that's a good takeaway. I mean, uh, I didn't know what I was going to take away from the Rosewater Rumble, to be honest. I did it more for fun. I mean, I did it more as something that I thought would generate social media. I'm, I'm goofing around with, with doing more event stuff on social media. Anyway, um, my communication background is showing. Uh, so, but I, what I did learn is that there is this much-beloved part of magic and that Future Sight is the poster child of this and that, look, there is an audience for that material and that's a niche audience, but there, it's there. And that's something we have to keep in mind. It's something we have to respect. And, and every once in a while, I, 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 we do sneak stuff in for you guys, you know, into our products, but it's a little more hidden than it is in Future Sight where it was blatant in your face. Anyway, I've just parked. And so, only three episodes later, I've talked about Future Sight design. And uh, it was fun. It was actually, it, it was really fun for me to go back and look at the set and sort of remember all the things I did. And I was surprised how much I packed into it. I mean, just the number of unique ideas and, and cycles and mix and match. And aye, aye, aye. It was, uh, I'm proud. I'm proud of the amount of material I, I managed to get in it. And like I said, it didn't quite live up to, to what some of its goals. But look, it, it did what it did very well. And, and as a designer, you know, it was a, it was a huge challenge. So I was very proud of it. Um, and like I said, it's my art house film. It will always have a, a soft place in my heart. Um, it, it did something unique that I, I probably will never have a chance to do again, at least at least in an expert expansion. So, anyway, this is Future Sight. I hope you guys had fun listening to me and, and Matt, for one, one of them, uh, talk about it. And so I guess it's time to go make the magic.